Blog Talk Radio. Thank you. 
God, we just thank you and we praise you and we just adore you and we love you and we're awed by you and we're awed by you, Jesus. And Jesus, you are the wind beneath our wings and we just we just adore every moment that we have with you. Every moment, and especially in the early hours of the morning when there isn't so much as a bird uh, tweeting outside, there isn't so much as one single car going by and things are just it's as intimate as intimate can be and these are the times that we revel in. These are the times that we want to be in your presence intimately and, and be able to talk to you and draw in closer to you in every part of our walk, even during the times that are in some cases far more difficult than we've ever experienced in our entire life. Father, we just thank you for the days that we're in because we see around us an ever uh, in, uh, closing in of the darkness that uh, uh, at least for the very small moment moment of time that we are in it uh, right now seems to have slowed, uh, slow, slowed down a little bit, uh, but we know uh, instinctively, uh, spiritually, that that is not really the case and that we need to uh, take advantage of the moments that we do have where things are not exploding all around us and our families are not inadvertently attacking us or saying things that they probably don't even mean or perhaps are misunderstanding or whatever the case is, Father, or the, the concerns, the worries, the anxiety that might come upon us because of the dynamics that we have in our life, our walk, or the changes of our jobs, the layoffs, the endless, uh, continuous collapse of the economy around us that we know is a glorious thing because it aligns to the fulfillment of the third seal. Father, we just pray that you will continue to give us long-suffering and gentleness and kindness and grace to be able to put up with the things that we see happening around us and in and, and a manner that is not... Um, you know, that, that we can just keep it inside of ourselves and, and with that grace be able to have peace and take away with uh, us and to walk in your peace, uh, even in the midst of the frustrations that are associated with not being able to communicate effectively with people that ought to be able to see the things that are happening, but 
quite frankly, very rarely are, or at least have uh, mental blocks uh, or uh, churchianity blocks that have been injected into their hearts and minds that prevent them from being able to embrace how far along into the end times that we actually are. And that's okay, Father God, because we are all a very diverse and peculiar people. And for those of us who have been blessed with understanding that we're a little bit further along than uh, most people believe, uh, and I don't want to say how far because none of us knows for sure uh, you know, how much longer it's going to be before things get far, far worse than they are right now to the point where uh, our fellow brothers and sisters who have been holding out for whatever reason, thinking that there's going to be a third Solomon's Temple, looking for some red heifer to be chopped up. Uh, you know, I, Father, we just feel sorry. I feel a grieving, uh, uh, I don't know, I even know how to express it, uh, but grief in my heart for um, our fellow brothers and sisters out there who have been entrapped by Christianity, have been entrapped by these belief systems, and are following along with, an, with a misinterpretation and a misunderstanding of the biblical end times timeline in such a dramatic fashion that they're going to miss. Uh, they'll be so busy looking for things that aren't going to happen that they will, well, certainly just will not be ready or will not be seeing the obvious, which is where we actually are and where we are and where, and where we ought to be preparing in our walk for the days that we have ahead of us. And we just praise you, Father, for the for the glorious insight that you have given us. We pray that we remain humble and contrite, that we will never, ever um, uh, adopt or uh, take on, I don't know what the right word is, or, or you know, become a part of the presumptuous sin that would uh, be uh, th- that which is, again, a part of the walk of many who, of our fellow brothers and sisters who um, uh, believe that they uh, are in like Flynn, believe that there are, there, you know, that the scriptures of having a humble and contrite spirit and the, the admonition of Jesus about being like the tax collector and not like the Pharisee and the warnings that we get like in 1 Peter uh, 4, 7, where it says, if a righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the sinner and the ungodly be, Father? We pray in the name of Jesus that our hearts will always remain humble. We may not like the things that we're going through. We may not like the testing, the trials, and the tribulation. In fact, we may just downright hate them, but we do recognize, Father, that you love us. We love that you love us. We love you back, no matter what it is we have to go through, and we we pray in Jesus' name, no matter what it, what it is we have to go through, no matter how horrible it is, no matter how painful it is, we just pray in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ that we will not be, not just left behind, but not not be left behind from the first fruits barley harvest. No matter what happens, Father God, no matter what changes need to take place in our lives, no matter what feelings we feel, no matter what uh, parts of our hearts uh, need to be uh, reconstructed, no no matter what parts of our minds need to be renewed, Father, we just pray that those things will happen right now, no matter how utterly painful and agonizing it may be, that you have to take us out behind the barn in so many different ways in order to correct our course, that our hearts and our minds will be humbled and contrite in the, in the manner that you need them to be and in the manner that we hope they will be so that we are found eligible, not just called, but chosen to be part of your first fruits bride, part of that barley harvest, part of the gathering up of the Omer at the Shabbat wedding and be the first there to welcome our other fellow brothers and sisters as they are ushered in after some more darker refiner's fire uh, comes down upon their lives 
lives, and 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 we praise you that we pr- we pray in the name of Jesus that we don't have to go through, and we can then that we can get it out of the way and go through it ju- now, and the sooner the better. And to to Him, our Lord Jesus, who is able to keep us from stumbling and present us faultless before the presence of Your glory, Father God, with exceeding joy. The very thought of it is just astonishing. And to you, Father, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory, majesty, dominion, and power, both now and forever. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I said before uh, the weekend came along, you know, the weekend uh, that was supposed to have been the weekend of, um, oh, I don't know. Let me look. Yeah, the weekend of Christmas. I had said that uh, I I was kind of considering and and thinking uh, that it might be kind of fun to do, uh, you know, a prayer vigil on Friday and also a show on Christmas because I really didn't have anything planned. Well, it looks like the Lord had something planned for me. It's a good thing, you know, it's interesting because uh, even though I, my inclination was to go ahead and do a couple of shows, uh, and it would have been fun to do so, it's it's interesting, I find, that I was led, uh, perhaps, I don't know, supernaturally, or maybe just, uh, I have no idea why I took the position that I did, but I did take the position where I said, but we'll have to, you know, to be determined is essentially what, you know, without saying those exact words was essentially the message that I sent, which was, uh, you know, I wasn't really sure if I was going to do it, but, uh, you know, I did want to leave the door open in case I did decide to send out an email and have a program on those days. Well, it looks like the Lord had different, uh, another, another beating behind the barn for me. Uh, that's fine. I'm so used to having the Lord take me out behind the barn and whip my butt that uh, I, I don't know what 
it would be like to live any other way, really, quite frankly. Um, so I'm, I don't know what my next beating will be. Uh, I, I just don't know. But I have to anticipate and expect that there will be another one that is awaiting me probably very soon. I don't know what it will be. I wish I could say that that's not going to be the case. But it, is certainly, it certainly would not have rhyme or reason with the patterns that have been established in my life uh, for the longest period of time longer than I can remember. Praise God, thank you, Jesus. And and I can and and I absolutely with 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 great accuracy and uh, and uh, you know what would you call it a clear conscience uh, say that when I look back hindsight is twenty twenty on every single time that I've gone through a difficult uh, period uh, I've you know for whatever reason and I have no idea why uh, that I've been able to see um, a, a reason. Afterwards, you know, maybe it was two weeks later, four weeks later, six weeks later, two months later, but I would be able to look back at some point in time and be able to go, oh, okay, I understand why I did go through that. I understand why I had to go through that. I understand, you know, I was able to piece it together, see a godly supernatural um, change that may, may or may, you know, may have come over me as a result of it, some new epiphany in my walk that helps me to help other people, which is uh, one of the predominant uh, uh, repeat dynamics that appears to happen in my life uh, is especially unpleasant. I don't like having to go through it, but hey, it is what it is, and God's in charge, and we love him for it, and that's how, you know, and someday the revelation will come upon us. I don't know when it'll be, maybe 50 part, you know, gazillion years from now, and in all of eternity, Jesus will set us down, and hey, you know, why you had to go through this, and whatever, and he'll tell us, and we'll go, oh, or maybe maybe the Lord will impart it upon us, uh, you know, uh, much sooner than that. For me, most of the time, it is it is it's usually within a couple of months of me going through something that I'm able to look back on it and say, oh, I got it. Okay, I, that's why. Um, praise God. And usually, it's you know, I, I'm okay with it. You know, I mean, I don't know how to explain it. Sometimes I'm like, man, I wish I wouldn't have to go through that. And then other times it's kind of like I, I, I feel blessed because I know that if I wouldn't have gone through it, that there would be gaps. You know, there were there would be areas of lacking in my walk that would prevent me from being as effective as I might have been otherwise uh, to be able to help somebody uh, that needed help. Sometimes we go through things and we are not able to see why until, uh, you know, many months later or many years later, when suddenly we find ourselves standing in front of another believer that's going through some awful, awful, awful stuff that needs, that desperately needs some sort of counseling ministry, uh, you know, um, help, they need a little bit of helping hand, a little bit of a, a, you know, a helping hand, and you happen to have gone through uh, a very similar dynamic, and you're able to relate to them and explain to them what you did go through, so and then say, "This is what happened to me," and then that gets them, that brings them to a new place that they desperately needed to get to, because otherwise they would have allowed it to stew in their hearts, and their hearts would have become embroiled in negativity, embroiled in unforgiveness, embroiled in all kinds of, you know, unhappiness in their heart, and that's just not where we're. That's not where we're not. We're commanded to be the opposite of that. We're commanded 
commanded to walk in grace. We're commanded to be grateful and, and praise, praise Jesus in all things, no matter how awful they and horrible they are. If our legs are getting sawed off, if our eyes are getting plucked out with a shrimp fork, whatever the case is, we're supposed to be praising God. I know that sounds absolutely insane, but that's just how it is. We are expendable. Our bodies are living sacrifice, and we pray. Holy and acceptable is our spiritual service of worship to God. Praise his holy name. And they are expendable. Our bodies are expendable. Our ability to be healthy or, or whether that's all expendable. It is up for grabs. If our Heavenly Father wants to, you know, put us in a Job like situation and allow us to develop boils all over our bodies and be in absolutely horrible, excruciating, terrible, horrific pain, then that's up to our Heavenly Father. Uh, like Job said, though he slay me, yet I will trust him, Job thirteen fifteen. And we have to adopt that and be ready for that because it could be part of our calling and there probably is a very good and holy, pure reason why our Father needs us to go through the things that we are going through, maybe now, maybe later, whatever the case may be, uh, so that we're able to serve him in a greater capacity and help others in a greater capacity than we otherwise would have been able to. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, um, so when it ended up happening to me, you might be able to hear it a little bit in my voice. Maybe, maybe not, whatever. But um, uh, come, uh, this was, I will put this down. As, you know, I'm not, I'm not complaining. This isn't, a, you know, a bitching and complaining kind of a session. I'm just simply saying the way it is. Okay, for me, this was bar none the absolute worst Christmas of my life. I have not had one worse ever. Okay, that that just goes to to I'm just telling it like it is, and that that's fine with me. Um, that may have perhaps prepared me for no more Christmases. Now, when I say no more Christmases, I'm not I'm not saying that you won't have another one. I'm not saying that you're not going to have a wonderful time with your family and your kids and all that kind of whoop de doo. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying for me, uh, it may have been the culmination, the termination, if you will, the end point of all of I will. You know, it may be it. That may have been it. This may have been the last one. It is highly likely. In fact, I believe in my heart at this time that it is, in fact, the last for me. Now, that's fine. I don't care because, like I said, I've been living, uh, you know, as, uh, you know, like a, a, a supermax. I've been living in like a solitary confinement in a supermax so long right now, so many years, over 11 straight, and, you know, with a couple of interruptions that were most horrific and belong in books like Amityville Horror and stuff like that. I don't ever want to have to go through those things again. And I can look back and see all the positive aspects of it and why I had to go through those things and how I can help other people because I experienced those things and that's all great and everything. But it, there comes a point when you just don't want the sledgehammer to bash your skull in anymore. And you need a little bit of a break. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I know a lot of people that are going through those things. And in there, you are all Scott Storch. You are in my prayers continuously, my brother. Um, Elena, you're in my prayers continuously. Sister Susan B., you're in my prayers continuously. Brother Tramil over in in, uh, 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 in uh, um, Belgium, you're in, you, your wife, your children, you are in my prayers in perpetuity. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Sister Paula uh, L. over in uh, 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 France and all the hell on earth that you're going through with your I don't know, demon-possessed, soon-to-be, hopefully, ex-husband. Uh, Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray. Oh, Father, please, in Jesus' name, accelerate that situation. Provide solicitors for her that will straighten out that horrible mess so her and her children don't have to continue to go through that. How awful. Um, you know, I am painfully and, and perpetually always aware 
of the people around me and the people who pray for me who take, you know, it, it amazes me. It never ceases to amaze me how blessed I am to be surrounded with such an amazing group of loving and kind uh, and considerate, uh, uh, really bridal, truly first fruits, barley harvest, bridal party contenders uh, as I am. I don't deserve it, and I know that a lot of the people that do take the time to pray for me when I ask for prayer, and I don't send out these massive, you know, once in a while on the radio show, I'll say, hey, everybody, I'm having a really, this is a really serious situation. I'm throwing out a face for a prayer for my job. Yep. I'm heading into that again. Here we go again. whoop de doo in Yahoo. Uh, coming in January, uh, big layoffs coming in my company. Uh, big reorganizations happening at my company. And you know what? I don't give a rip. Okay? But at the same time, I do pray fervently and in tears for every single person who even mentions me in a prayer. Praise God. Because quite often, it's the people who are standing at the pulpit. It's the people who are st- sitting behind the microphone. It's the people that are serving the Lord um, in whatever capacity that they're serving them on a, on a regular basis. Quite frankly, it is those who receive the least amount of prayer. Um, the little cliques of prayer, prayer warriors that gather together as friends and family and people that, you know, hang out together, you know, oh, I know my uh, my sister Sally and Frank and Bill, her husband, and we get together and, have, you know, and read the Bible together on Tuesday nights and everything, you know, but but a lot of times it's the, it's the, it's the people that, such, such as myself and um, others that have, um, programs and uh you know whether it's a youtube channel whatever whatever shape or form it comes in i can almost invariably assure you that because of the hopefully the i hope that they're all doing good works i know not everybody is uh but when you're doing damage to the devil's uh territory you're going to be a big target now there and, and yes, it's a very complicated dynamic because God does provide incredible amounts of protection. But um, the more you, the more God has an opportunity to use you, the more people that God has the opportunity to throw in front of you, the more God has the opportunity to, uh, uh, you know, you're going to be conditioned for it. Okay, that's just how it is. So anyway, um, the Lord. Um, for whatever reason, decided that I was going to, he was going to allow me to get, uh, even though I haven't been sick in probably, I don't know, I'm guessing, best guess, 15 years. I haven't gotten so much as a sniffle. If I got a sniffle, I just took down a couple, you know, a, a few gulps of colloidal silver. Uh, and uh, whatever the case is, whenever I was traveling around the country in this last year, I did Salt Lake City, Las Vegas, Phoenix two times. Uh, I don't know, some other place I can't remember. But anyway... Um, and I would just take a hydroxychloroquine, uh, which is known as the once-a-day pill for the people who live in, uh, in uh, malaria-prone areas of the world, particularly in Africa. Um, and uh, I'd take one hydroxychloroquine. I would take uh, uh, these little two-ounce things filled up with uh, colloidal silver, 100, part, 100 ppm. Actually, 110. No, 120 ppm. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to hear a lot of that tonight, so enjoy. Sorry for that, but there's just no way I can catch the um, microphone mute button fast enough to the coughs come quickly and hard. But anyway, praise Jesus. Thank you, Father, uh, for my sickness this weekend, the first real ultra unbelievably bad one I've had in so long. I do not. I really don't remember. I really don't remember. 
I do not remember, um, with, you know, again, with all the traveling, with all the care, with all the immuno uh, uh, herbal supplements that I take, which are, wow, like fistful. I have something to the tune of, let me see if I was to guess, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight times three is 24. I got 24 bottles, roughly, I'm guesstimating, of various herbal supplements that I take every single morning that are immunos, immunosystem boosters uh, and other, and they do other things for your body as well. Uh, and I take those uh, pretty religiously every single morning. Um, and then, of course, like I said, I travel with, I got ivermectin. I don't have to travel with that I use the hydroxychloroquine as the prophylaxis uh, for to protect me while I'm on planes um, and all that kind of stuff. So I haven't never had a problem, but uh, you know uh, the Lord decided that um, you know for whatever reason I don't know why that He was going to allow me to get body slammed worse than I've ever gotten slammed before. I don't remember the last time I got this sick. I was so sick. Um, so basically from Friday early. Um, you know, I woke up uh, Thursday night. Uh, I'm sorry. I, I, uh, I got off work Thursday night. Um, and then uh, I don't know what happened then after that, did I, whether I watched the TV show or whatever I did. But anyway, I ended up in bed. I woke up the next morning and I was sick, sick, sick. I won't say sick as a dog because my dogs don't get sick. But anyway, um, but very, 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 very sick. And I sat uh, essentially in a recliner uh, covered in a blanket, freezing, shivering. Uh, from uh, fever and um, uh, and coughing so hard and so deeply that I was in remarkable pain. Um, uh, you know, chloroseptic to my left hand. Uh, I had to spray constantly because the pain was agonizing. Um, and I uh, could barely walk. I could barely make it to the restroom. Uh, and uh, anyway, so that's pretty much how my entire Christmas went. I'm not complaining. It is what it is. Uh, and uh, I, I literally didn't move from my chair the whole time. Uh, and um, I couldn't have done a radio show if my life depended on it. I, don't, I, I couldn't. I was dysfun completely and utterly 100%, actually 150%, dis dysfunctional. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And I did send, you know, I did communicate with, now a lot of these folks do not listen regularly listen regularly to the program all the time. But you know what? As the decades just roll on by, people, you know, they can, you know, it's like, hey, whatever. You know, Johnny's doing another show, big deal, you know, that kind of thing. That's just what happens, you know. So um, some people like to always listen to all the shows, and some people listen once in a blue moon, and, you know, that's just how it is. And, uh, you know, and, and anyway, so, uh, but I will say thank you and a shout-out of thanks for to Kristen and Sister Nancy and Terry Hill, uh, Kirk Martin, um, uh, uh, Chamil in uh, Belgium, Paula Ledger, God bless you, in France, and all the awful stuff you're going through. I'm so sorry. Uh, and Sister Mary in the United Kingdom and Mary Lee and all of you that have taken the time to pray a little bit extra for me uh, to get me through this sickness because uh, when you're like me and you've never gotten sick in the last 15 years, uh, it's a real serious shock to the system to get a real serious bout of the flu. Um, and of course, it came with the normal. Uh, it, it's it's the whole. I think I think uh, what I you know. It, so if you look at Nyquil, the different versions of Nyquil that you can get, one of them is set. It says severe cold and flu. That's what I had. 
Now, a lot of people are like, I need to know it wasn't COVID. My daughter was trying to get me to, you know, I got extra COVID tests, Dad. I can run some down to you. And I, you know, I let that one die on the vine because I'm not going to tell my daughter who believes everything that she hears and, and is part of generation whatever that, um, you know, what I think about things because she it, it will just end up hurting her feelings and I'm just not going to go there. So anyway, um, but I did have the customary loss of uh, taste and smell. Wondered to myself, uh, I never had a second, not even a quadrillion, not even a oh gosh, point one zero 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 one percent thought that it that and that it was any form of COVID. Nor would I have given a rip because I am so sick and tired of hearing anything about that stinking pandemic, plandemic, bioweapons, injection. I'm just, oh, and it's like people just dwell in it. They have made it their whole reason to live is to tell somebody the obvious. Anybody by now, in December the 28th of 2022, that hasn't figured it pretty much all out by now, it's time to look for a special type of vitamin for you. It's time to change the channel. In Jesus' name, please change the channel. The rest of the world has moved on. Hallelujah. So it never crossed my mind, not even for a point oh one nanosecond or whatever, that it, it was. I just knew it was a severe cold and flu situation. I treated myself accordingly, asked for some prayer, was hoping, you know, I had had that very traumatizing event with the Zycam uh, nasal spray, which should have put the company Zycam out of business. I'm very upset. I will never, ever not be upset that the Zycam Medi- Medication Corporation did not get put out of business. I believe in with all of my heart and from the bottom of my heart that they should have been eradicated from the face of the earth and all of their Dr. Fauci's that work for them should have been put behind bars or hung from a tree at Nuremberg. Anyway, that, that all that being said, for over eight months, I had lost my ability to taste or smell. It wiped out a Christmas for me. It was very embarrassing. Uh, and But then the Lord did bless me after some prayers. And um, uh, approximately two and a half months later, Mid-February of the year after, uh, uh, I was taking a shower and suddenly got a burst of the smell of strawberries. And I was like, wow, what's that? And I realized that it was the shower gel that I was using. Uh, But that's after, you know, you you lose the the ability to taste and smell for eight months. That's life-changing. You don't get used to it. If anybody tells you that you do get used to it, they're full of crap and just change the channel, Okay. Period. Okay, you do not get used to it. You never will get used to it. It will always be a bummer to you. You will know continuously that you are missing out on one of God's greatest gifts uh, to us here on this pathetic prison planet that we're trapped on right now, full of aliens, demons, Obama pigs, and, and, and antichrist creatures, and transsexual pretend wives named Michael, and all the other sick, evil, twisted 
dark stuff that we have to put up with. And, Father, why we have to put up with it, I will never understand. I know that you're merciful, and I know that you need us. I believe it with all of our heart, and that's why we have to go through the things that we're going through. Give us the grace and peace to be able to take the the challenge and, and to stand up to the challenge and to embrace that challenge and to increase our prayer, to increase our intimacy with you, Jesus, and to be even more ready than we're trying to be uh, for the days that we have in, uh, ahead of us, knowing that as we progress each day, that more and more is being revealed to us about, you know, we know that there's another pandemic. We know that it's going to be called the Sears pandemic. We know that it's going to be an enterovirus. We know that it will have an 80% death rate, and we know that it will target mostly children. We know that it will be much much more horrific than what we have experienced with the COVID thing. And you know what? There ain't nothing anyone of us can do anything about it. We can't do, you can't, there's nothing. Okay. I've even watched to my very deep sadness. I, I, I'm not happy about it. It makes me sad. I don't like, uh, it's just a very sad, 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 sad thing. And that's when you are watching people be, becoming happy. You're watching a lot of different people, some, many of them Christians, you know, maybe at a different place in their walk, maybe hugging guns, maybe fire because they might end up using them. Uh, but um, they mean well. <coughs> Excuse me. And um, uh, but anyway, but seeing your people that are, are either your fellow brothers and sisters or maybe they're unbelievers or whatever the case is, but you're seeing them all going like, wow, this is really great. You know, all this information is getting released about Fauci. We got the goods on him. We got the goods on the FBI. We got the goods on this group. We got the goods on that group. We got the goods on Biden. We got the goods on goods, 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 goods. Boy, do we got the goods. We got so many goods. We're going to put so many people in jail and everything else. And then somebody comes along and goes, hey. The Department of Justice still belongs to the Global Satanic Crime Syndicate, which means that you're not going to put anybody in jail. You are absolutely lame duck. You can slap the gavel as much as you want to in the House of Representatives. It really doesn't make any difference because absolutely not one single person will pay for anything. Nothing happens. Nobody goes to jail. Nobody pays for a thing anymore. Which is so true, and that will be exactly what will continue to happen as we progress forward in the days ahead. Praise God. But anyway, uh, so, yeah, that, that's kind of what happened to me um, over the Christmas holiday. For me, it was no Christmas, zero, less than zero, actually, a, a painful, agonizing one. And, um, uh, and I am praising God right now for all the prayers that I received and also that the Lord has seen fit through his incredible grace, which I don't deserve, uh, to begin to restore my ability to taste and smell. And since I am a prolific cook and a darn good one, uh, to lose that ability is devastating. And that's putting it lightly, to say the least. Although I don't really have anybody to cook for, so I don't cook it nearly as much as I used to, praise God. But anyway, um, so uh, I, I, you know, unless I do something dramatically different next year, if there is a next year uh, for Christmas time, and I have considered this, uh, I do not want to go visit my family anymore. Um, I, you know, it's not that I dislike them. It's just that I don't want to be subject to their um, 
callousness. Okay, I, I have better things to do with the period of time that we have on our life. And besides, Jesus said, this isn't my mother and my brother. These people are my mother and my brother. And really, when you think about it in our situation, when Jesus said that, our situation is even more different than that because we need people that understand what we understand in order to be able to find that fellowship that is necessary for us to be able to walk in love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and self-control and fellowship in the, in the way that is, you know, we need it. We need it. We need that fellowship. And for us to be able to find that right now is exceedingly difficult. If not, well, I would venture to say it's impossible, period. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. So anyway, uh, the Lord has started to, uh, I, I talked to my doctor and a little London minute. A mini miracle that happened to me just uh, was I, I knew this was like a one. I just I couldn't believe it happened. But I called up my doctor and I said to, I, I called the lady that answered the phone and she's very nice. And I, I said to her, I said, would you be kind enough? Now, if I have to come into the office, I'm totally fine with it. So no problem. But. Would you be kind enough to ask Dr. Blankety Blank if she would uh, consider, I told her, I, I said, I, ha- this is the, I have these symptoms, blank, 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 and blank. Okay, and then I said, would you ask the doctor if she might be willing to call in a Z-Pack for me? Okay, and, um, and then this very sweet lady comes back to the phone and she says, well, no, the doctor said that she, she wants you to go ahead and get some Tamiflu. And I said to her, I said, oh, okay, I understand. Well, would you let the doctor know for me that Tamiflu doesn't do a doggone thing for me and I won't buy, not, don't, please don't call it in. Don't take the time because I will not take it. It's going to waste my time. Um, and she said back to me, she said, well, if that's the case, let me go and tell her that and see if she'll you know, give in on the ZPAC. And I thought to myself, that's got to be like at a one in 50 quadrillion possibilities there. I figured there was no way. And um, she came back and said, the doctor will go ahead and rent you a script for over at CVS for you to get a Z-Pack. And I was like, no way. So there was a little bit of a mini miracle. And for anybody out there who understands what a Z-Pack is, let me tell you what. It is short of pulling down your pants in the doctor's office and getting a big, fat, needle jammed in your hiney cheek of rosefin, uh, you cannot get a stronger antibiotic, I do not believe, anywhere out there. All right, so it's a basically, it's a one, two, three, four, five, there's six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's a ten pill regimen, morning, night. And the doctor blessed me with it. So praise God for that. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm, Getting to the point where I can almost call a total victory. Uh, for any of you who have been praying for me, just call it a victory. You can go ahead and uh, call it a uh, praise Jesus victory. Uh, I don't, I, I, of course, I want you to pray for me, and I will continue to pray for you. You know, the funny thing about it, I asked people to send me in prayer requests over 10 years ago, and I'm still praying for every single one of them. You know, it's funny how we always are looking for a praise report because when we want to get off the hook. We figure, hey, I've got enough people i got to pray for. I don't want to keep on praying for this individual, so, so I'm going to keep on asking them over and over again, how's everything going? 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 And really deep down inside, what we're looking for is a praise report because we've got other people that we want to go on to pray for. I, I'm, I'm not like that. Once a person asks me to pray for him, even if, you know, let's say they, a, a lady named Sally in 2010 sent me an email and said, "I got a carbuncle on my left foot. Would you pray for me?" Sally is still on my prayer list. 
<coughs> excuse me. Okay, so that's just how I am. Once a person makes it on my prayer list, you can't get off it. You can ask me to take it off, but I ain't going to. Forget about it. Um, I had uh, I, at one point I had over 400 people on my my initial prayer list, and I would literally sit down and um, you know Indian style on the on the floor of my bedroom, and I would sit there and every single individual, I would lift up Father, I lift up Susan before you. I pray in the name of Jesus X Y Z and L M N P. Um, I lift up Brother Bob to you because of this. I lift up Brother Frank to you. I lift up Brother Thomas to you. I lift up Sister Sally to you, and I and I would every single one of the four hundred people I'd mention them by name to the Lord. Well, after a while, that got to be fantastically difficult to keep up with. Um, so I just called them the four hundred now to the Lord. He knows them all. I have passed that list on to other people to help me pray for them. Uh, but I every single person that I pray for that has ever been on my list or any reason whatsoever, it does not matter. I will always pray for them until I die, period. You will never get off my prayer list. Give it a shot. You'll lose. I'll win. Jesus will win, and you'll win too. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, anyway, so I I did want to at least share, as I I know it was lengthy and everything, but I did want to share with you um, uh, what happened and why I did not make it to either the Friday show or the Sunday Christmas night show, which would have been nice, but I was very sick. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, on that note, I'm looking at the time, uh, and you know what? The heck with it. We got Lauren Peterson coming on tonight. We are a little bit light in our apocalyptic news this time. I don't think it's because uh, Sister Mary Lee or Sister Vera have been on vacation or anything like that. I just don't think we really have an awful lot of earth-shattering apocalyptic news at this moment. Now, is that about to change any second now? Probably so. As a matter of fact, historically over the last 11 years, now approaching quickly 12, um, it has. if we did have one program that was light on apocalyptic news, it, that was it. It was just that one program. And then by the next program, it was like, you got to be kidding me. And I'd have like enough enough headlines, even after I filtered out like 200 of the headlines and picked out the best, uh, you know, the best 30 of those 200. Uh, I, you know, it was like uh, it was unstoppable. I could never get through all of them. There was just way too much to talk about. Way, it was just unbelievable. And I, I believe that that will continue into 2023. In fact, I will also share this with you. Um, there are a lot, oh my goodness, it's a lot, of uh, sources out there. I'm just going to leave the word source because I, I want it to be a broad stroke uh, because it is a broad stroke. Um, and these various sources could be uh, people on my finely tuned Twitter feed. It could be um, other Christians that I have had conversations with. Uh, it could be um, hearsay. You know, uh, something from a program, um, you know, maybe I was trying to catch up on the situation over on in Russia right now, and they mentioned it there. But the consensus is right now, right now, the consensus is that 2023 is going to make 2022 look like it was a nice, fun, kickback day at Six Flags Amusement Park. 
All right. Like we're going to have a lot of ugly hidden. All right. So and I guess I'm not really surprised about all of that. Um, I will say that there are various other like right now, if you go to Infowars.com, right on the tippy top there, you will see a let me see if I can find it for you here. I don't know this guy from Adam. So I don't know. I don't it, it really is. It doesn't really matter, and I don't care who it is. Uh, but I will tell you that there's a uh, highlighted, it says United Nations Insider, that's what they're calling this individual, says that the deep state is planning a new bioweapon released very, very soon, e.g. in 2023. Now, that's interesting because the new um, Sears enterovirus that they're doing the tabletop exercise on, the people who are analyzing that as the prospective next major global pandemic uh, are saying that it is their personal belief that that's not going to happen until 2024. Now, I find that a little bit difficult because that would be that would indicate that they the forces of darkness are not planning to do anything disruptive before Donald Trump gets a chance to run in 2024 again. OK, that to me is a that's pretty darn hard to believe. So I have a feeling that we're going to have a very bumpy year next year. I don't know what in, you know, what it's going to be and how many different things it's going to be, but I think there's going it's I think it's going to be a real 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 bumpy bumpy year. Uh oh and I didn't finish. If I do decide to do something Christmassy this next year, if we even make it to next year as far as Christmas is concerned, I might, you know, I might meet somebody as a friend and just hang out at a cheap hotel in Hershey, Pennsylvania. They do have uh for anybody who's within a quick flight or or a reasonable drive, uh eight hours or ten hours most. Uh, to Hershey, that is one of the most beautiful uh, Christmassy towns and Christmassy experiences you and your family could ever have. And you might say, well, gee, Johnny, what are you, some kind of a marketing spokesperson for Hershey? And the reality is, no, I'm not, but I did grow up there. And what I'm telling you is a fact. Um, your family will have a lot of fun. I went up there with uh, Jeff Byerly and his wife. Uh, they had never been there, which was very surprising for somebody who only lived about six hours away all their lives. And we were, it was nonstop. No. Hold on a second. <coughs> Sorry. It was nonstop. There's so much to do, so much to see, so much candy everywhere. Tutor, little tutor shops, uh, people dressed like elves. I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, walking crackle bars, coming up and hugging little kids and incredible luxury and hotels and food and incredible pastries and unbelievable things. And just to, 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 to be able to tour Chocolate World and see the thousands of different varieties of chocolate and candy that is made there and, and to be able to experience it like a like you know, better than Willy Wonka kind of a thing and, uh, and, and have days and days and days of things to do that are just, you know, experiences and, and, and memories that your family will never forget. Um, you know, that is bar none, in my opinion, the very best money that you could ever spend with your family to do something fun for Christmas, and that's in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Praise God. And, and, and I can see myself getting together with a friend, uh, you know, f- flying up there and just spending the whole weekend uh, hanging out and touring around in Hershey because it is just that much fun. And, uh, you know, I won't blow it for you and tell you every little detail, but it's a blast. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So on that note, let's go ahead and I am going to play because um, like we got Brother Lauren on tonight, and uh, and that's great. But I want to play this little uh, audio bite snippet. I found it on Judge Napolitano. He's sorry, it's hard to say this. Judge Napolitano's judging freedom 
um, YouTube channel. Now, since he's been bringing uh, Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor and Scott Ritter on his program, he admitted to the listening audience that his listenership went from like 10,000 to 1 million like uh, overnight. Okay, so I praise God for that. I think that's a wonderful thing because I do believe with all of my heart that Douglas McGregor and Scott Ritter should be the two most listened to people on the earth. Uh, for anything and any, everything and anything that has to do with the beginning of World War III, which will ultimately have Russia leading the way, the Red Horse. But, I, but in my journey, uh, looking around for stuff that I wanted to listen to to catch up and be as informed as I could be, I stumbled across this interesting little ditty, a quick little, it's not too long, uh, uh, video of Judge Napala. Tano in his Judging Freedom show, and he's meeting with Alex Jones. And I was like, well, now, if that isn't just a doggone to strange bedfellows that I ever ran across. But you know what? All things considered and realizing that Napolitano, what he has been through and how he's been ostracized by Fox, uh, basically for telling the truth, and essentially so is Jones and everything, you know, I thought, no, not really, not really strange bedfellows at all. In fact, they, they should meet up more often and synchronize. And I think they are going to. As a matter of fact, I think uh, Jones had said at one point in this little program that, uh, that Napolitano was going to come and join him live on his show in the next couple of weeks, praise God. And that's what we need to see, more and more people that are awake and aware to the things that are happening around the world, getting out there, bringing together their audiences, and adding credibility to what it is they're trying to help everybody understand is going on. All right, I'm going to play a, at least a couple of minutes of this. Uh, and you again, you can go to YouTube.com and type in Judge Napolitano spa, uh, hyphen Judging Freedom. And let me tell you something, you will be a busy, busy bee because uh, he's got a lot of really outstanding uh, interviews that must be heard with him uh, Colonel Douglas McGregor, and also him and Scott Ritter. This is a snippet uh, from the one with Alex Jones. Let's take a listen. I'm Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is uh, Thursday, December 22nd, 2022. It's about 3.15 in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. My guest is my dear friend, who is also largely one of the more controversial people in the United States of America today and one of the most opinionated. Alex Jones. Alex, welcome to Judging Freedom, my dear friend. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on, and a Merry Christmas. Thank you, and a Merry Christmas to you uh, and to your enormous followers, many of whom uh, are watching now. What's wrong with America today, Alex? Well, if I go back to your show 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, on Fox, you were warning that the intelligence agencies led by the corrupt Justice Department, were infiltrating society. And now, with all the Twitter documents, they have come right out and, and been caught red-handed packing, not just Twitter, we know it's all the major tech companies, full of Justice Department mafia who are in there making business deals for themselves, surveilling people, censoring people. I mean, really, it's what happens to every third-world country. It's what happens to every great empire is the Praetorian Guard end up taking over. And, and so that's now what's happened. Confirmed election meddling, you know, confirmed 
surveillance and censorship, regardless of what you think about Trump or, or anybody else, this, this is completely illegal. And now it's out in the open. I'm, you, you probably saw the Fox News response uh, by the FBI, but they just said, oh, it's a conspiracy theory, uh, what people are saying. But yes, we always infiltrate businesses and companies. So I know you're an expert on this, but it's so dangerous. And this would not just make Richard Nixon blush. This would make Kim Jong-un be envious, or this would make Xi Jinping uh, be envious. This is just raging surveillance and censorship and control, because it's one thing to say, well, we're violating Section 230 and we're censoring. Okay, they can be stripped of that as big tech, but to have government colluding covertly, as the Twitter files showed just a week ago, that even the head censor at Twitter was worried what they were being asked to do was illegal. So it, it was essential to keep this secret, and now the FBI's doing like Obi-Wan Kenobi does, where he says there's nothing to see to hear, move along. When I um, accused the uh, Obama administration of utilizing British spies to spy on then-candidate to Donald Trump, uh, and even my then-employers were not willing to back me on it, you were, and of course it's, uh, it's the type of intellectual honesty and, and personal courage and loyalty that one doesn't forget. But even in those days, Alex, with all of the times we discussed this, we never imagined it would be so mainstream and so so brazen. I mean, the latest Twitter documents reveal uh, that the FBI just said to Twitter, these are the people we want you to silence so that Joe Biden uh, will beat uh, Donald Trump. Now, we all know under the law, the FBI can't do this. They cannot engage in any endeavor without some evidence of criminality, not their own criminality, which is what happened here because they engaged in computer hacking, but the crimes of those they're investigating. There is no crime in expressing a political opinion contrary to Joe Biden or in favor of Donald Trump, but yet these, the, these are the people that, that the FBI, acting as if they were the KGB, using either a carrot or a stick, many carrots or many sticks, twisted Twitter's arms. I, I want to know what favors the FBI and the other intelligence agencies did for Twitter and for the other big tech companies to silence um, the Biden critics and the Trump supporters. Well, you hit the key here. Devin Nunes came out, former congressman, three days ago and said, it's not just Twitter. Well, we know that because Obama signed that countering foreign disinformation propaganda act and then they created the Steele dossier and said anybody that opposes any issue we're engaged in, whether it be lockdowns now or forced injections or open borders or election fraud, we're calling you a Russian agent. And then this whole mechanism, not just the FBI, but the CIA and the NSA swings into function, and they're just there directly attacking the American people. I mean, we, obviously, Elon Musk came out two days ago and said, we'll... Congressman Schiff, that's calling me a Russian traitor, call for a new Frank Church committee. Does Senator or does Congressman Schiff support all this censorship? And Schiff obviously uh, didn't respond to that. But I mean, this is—you're absolutely right. We knew this was going on. You know, this was going on. Almost nobody else did. But the magnitude or the brazenness—I'm right. actually blown away. I mean, that's right. ridiculous. You're correct on the magnitude and the brazenness, Alex, because. You and I know, and the people that follow us know, 
that the FBI is no longer a law enforcement agency. It's now a domestic surveillance agency. And instead of fighting crime, they try to predict crime. And in order to predict crime, they have to gather as much intelligence about innocent people as they can. I'm holding up my mobile phone. This is now a tracking device. Wherever I take it, they can follow me. And the same with everybody uh, in America. Uh, It's now a surveillance device. When it's within earshot of my lips, even when it's turned off, they can hear uh, the conversation that I'm having and they can download what's in here. And they do that obviously without our consent and obviously without a search warrant. Question, what do you call entering somebody else's computer without their permission and without a search warrant from a judge? Answer, computer hacking. Question, what's computer hacking? It's a felony that the FBI investigates and that the feds are supposed to prosecute. But don't hold your breath waiting for them to prosecute their own. I agree. So I would ask you, what my listeners ask for this constantly, and I, I don't know the answer. What is the response to this? Because it's so big, it's so brazen, it's worse than even we thought. And then who knows what else we don't know is what's going on. How as a culture do we even respond to something like this? So the courts have made it very difficult to sue. If the FBI does this to everybody, then everybody's injuries are the same and nobody can sue. If they just targeted you or just targeted me, uh, and they used that information in some way against us, we could sue. But if you're gonna sue the FBI and say they're listening to me, the courts are gonna say, go elect a new member of Congress who'll cut their budget. Well, that's where the FBI has the country by the short hairs, because the FBI has dirt on members of Congress. The NSA has dirt on members of Congress. The CIA has dirt on members of Congress. And, and, and to back you up, that's come out. And, and yes. of course, the Steele yes, dossier and, and the British spies, as you said six, seven, eight years ago, it, it's all true. It's all documented. How did you know they were using British intelligence to do it? Because it's confirmed that MI6 created the whole battle plan for the FBI which is a whole nother question. What is a foreign intelligence agency doing basically creating the blueprint of domestic control in America? Imagine if Xi Jinping had done that. Correct, correct. How did I know it? I had a source on the source that since uh, outed himself. And then we checked it on two other sources, which have chosen uh, not to out themselves. And then after I had the you-know-what kicked out of me by everybody uh, in the media, uh, four uh, British intelligence agents went to the Guardian of London and said that judge at Fox that everybody's dumping on is correct. Some of us did it, and some of us observed uh, our colleagues doing it. But but you're right. When the Obama people chose to bring in a foreign intelligence uh, agency, MI6, because they didn't, they wanted the CIA to be able to and the FBI to be able to say their uh, hands were clean. It was almost looked upon as a good thing. If Trump had brought in uh, uh, Xi Jinping or Kim Jong-un, he would have been impeached uh, for it. Uh, The point is, bringing in a foreign intelligence uh, agency to spy on Americans for a political purpose ought to be a crime. Unfortunately, it's not, because the people that actually entered the computer were foreigners who were outside American jurisdiction. I suppose the crime is conspiracy to computer hack, conspiracy to deny people 
uh, of their civil rights. So when an FBI agent calls up uh, Jack Dorsey, no longer the head of Twitter, but was, and said, uh, Alex Jones, Judge Napolitano, so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so, you got to dial them back. You got to dial them uh, back at least until the uh, election is over. And if you don't, we'll do the following. And if you do, we won't do uh, the following. That is a conspiracy to violate the civil rights, freedom of speech by a government agent uh, of those that they chose. How did they decide who to do this to? Politics. They wanted to get rid of Trump, and they were terrified. Uh, they were terrified of Trump getting reelected. They and, and, and let's expand on that. Because it's not about Judge Napolitano, it's not about Alex Jones, it's about knowing who was over the target. Correct. The minute you came out and said there's an intelligence operation against Trump, a foreign group, no matter whether you like Trump or not, folks, that's illegal, that's wrong, They, you were marked for destruction. Same Correct. thing with me. I didn't know what was – I mean I was reading documents, talking to sources, talking to DEA sources about the spy stuff that they were using as well. They had access to the NSA. Now we know Twitter was given national security clearance or executives to spy on people above top secret stuff. I mean, just crazy. The minute I was on the phone telling Trump, hey, Obama set up this countering foreign disinformation propaganda act. He put billions of dollars into this in the defense authorization. They've got stay behind networks. The minute I did that, two days later, CNN, Jones is insane claims Trump spied on, and then the lawsuit started, and the attacks, and the disinfo, and I had the whole apparatus come after me, which really shows how weak they are, that a judge on Fox, very popular, but telling the truth, they had to destroy you, or try to, or me, it it just shows how illegal it is. So here's my question to you. What are they going to do now that the whole thing's coming out, and people are really incensed? Because I saw the FBI statement uh, you know, today, like, oh, it's no big deal. We always do this. Who cares? Conspiracy well, theorists. There are, I don't there, see that holding water. There are 16 uh, Republican state attorneys general who fomented all of this coming out by suing Twitter and, and Google and the other big tech before a federal judge in New Orleans. This This federal judge will not be intimidated by big tech, and it is in the discovery in that case uh, that uh, emails came out showing the communication between DHS uh, and uh, Facebook uh, and uh, Jack Dorsey and his folks uh, and the FBI. So all of this is before a federal judge and will be before uh, a jury. So there's two ways this can end. It can end with these big tech companies being made to pay huge amounts of money to those whose rights they violated. Probably won't happen. But it could also end with the First Amendment being applied to big tech. So right now, Twitter can ban me if they don't like what I say, just like they've banned you, based on the content of speech. The feds cannot punish us because of the content of our speech, because the First Amendment prohibits it. But if Twitter does the bidding of the federal government, and it gets before a court, as it is in New Orleans, then the court can impose the restrictions of the federal government on Twitter and on Google, which would prevent them from punishing people because of the content of their speech. They will lose their immunity because of that. That will be devastating for them, and it will be liberating for the rest of us. They will have cooked their own goose, Alex. They never thought they'd get caught. And as for these FBI agents and these um, DHS uh, agents, you know, probably nothing will happen to them unless and until there's a Republican in the White House who will fire them 
and have them prosecuted for conspiracy to violate the civil rights of Americans who were nothing, doing nothing more than expressing their opinions about Joe Biden and Donald Trump. I know this is your show, but you're more of an expert on me than this 10 times. I'm just a lay person. <laughs> Alex, no, you can serious. ask me questions all day. <laughs> okay. I'm not a lawyer or a judge like you, but it seems to me said in the Constitution Bill of Rights that if they're illegally doing all of this and, 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 and they've been caught doing it and they're continuing to do it, Obviously, we can have the federal government go after them, but we only have some judges. What is the role of the states? Because you mentioned this kind of started with attorney generals at the states. So what else could be done to kind of unravel this and stop this? Um, very little, unless we can change members of Congress. Look, if everybody in the House were like Thomas Massey and everybody in the Senate were like Rand Paul, uh, we could deny their budgets and they'd go out of business. Their employees wouldn't get uh, paychecks. But Paul and Massey are exceptions. Uh, much of this is political and coercive. The political is uh, members of Congress want to give away money. The coercive is the intelligence community has dirt on members of Congress, not on Rand Paul or on, on Thomas Massey. I don't think there is any dirt for them to have, but, but they have enough dirt on enough people to assure that their budgets just keep getting increased. All right. Praise God. So anyway, there, there's a taste of it. I'm not going to play the rest of it, but I just wanted to get there are some gems out there. And uh, and while I was sitting shivering under my blankets over Christmas time, I was catching up with all this information and um, it's just overflowing. And I do highly recommend taking time if you do have the time uh, to go out and look into those things, because uh, you will be wow, you'll be edified. You'll be brought up to speed on a lot of things that are happening right now, including the dynamics that are going on in Russia, which have not changed much since the last time we discussed it, except that they're continuing their troop buildups. They're still waiting for the mud to freeze in the southern part of the Ukraine before they make their um, uh, offensive move. And uh, nope, they're not going to back off. And yes, they are going to wipe out the Ukraine. They're not going to destroy it. It's not going to be burnt, you know, uh, scorched earth, but uh, they are going to take it out. And uh, it'll be very interesting to see the look on the faces of, the, of NATO and all those, because it, it's not going to turn out the way that they planned on it. Now, if the Rachel Baxter thing happens, that changes everything. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And on that note, kids, are you there? Yeah. Eh, you thought I forgot about you because I got sick, didn't you? You thought so. I knew you did. I knew that you did, but I didn't. All right, kids, are you ready? Okay, here goes. Two men mean on the opposite side of the river. One shouts to the other, I need you to help me get to the other side. And the other guy replies, you are on the other side. <laughs> Ow, I can't laugh. That hurts. Kids? <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> ah. Can't wait till this is over. All right. All right. Praise God. Kids, the next one. Why is there no training for trash collectors? Because they pick things up as they go along. <laughs> right, kids? Okay. All right, one more, kids. Uh, why were they called the Dark Ages? Because there were lots of nights. You know, lots of nights. Tally Hill, Arthur, Roundtable, all that. Well, 
to you too. All right, heck, let's move on. Praise God. Let's go into the news. There ain't a lot of it. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Praise God, and here we go. Wall Street Journal reports, Southwest CEO says the airline is trying to end this rolling struggle. There are, uh, all I'm going to say is, I really like Southwest. Most people I know like Southwest. My brother-in-law flew with Southwest, all that kind of stuff. Um, Been with them. I've been flying with them for, well, as long as I can remember. Uh, But, boy, did they dork up this holiday season. They'll be lucky. That, that, That airline will be very, very lucky. If um, if uh, uh, lawmakers do not levy significant fines on them for the way they handled this unacceptable, well, what it, what they call it, they call it an operational meltdown. Okay, um, saying that the Southwest CEO apologizes for the operational meltdown. Last I read when I was going over some of the recent headlines in regard to this, is they're under, currently being uh, placed under investigation because of the significance of the impact to the American people because of this operational meltdown. What does that mean? I do not know. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Puppet Masters, Pentagon admits to 46 United States-funded biolabs in the, Ukra- in the Ukraine and claims that they were for improving, pu- improving public health. <laughs> okay, you get it, right? The bioweapons, biolabs, Ukraine, improving public health. Okay, folks, the Pentagon. Graham, Pentagon, Satan. Satan admits that 46 U.S. funded biolabs in Ukraine were public health. Uh, let's hear a shout out for Jesus, a large cheer from the, from the listening audience for all of those who want to stay on this alien demon infested rock. Ready? Get set. Go. The silence is deafening. Next one up. Big Pharma showing signs of collapse as critical mass of population no longer trusts the vaccine scam. No. You're good. (laughs) Thanks, Captain Obvious. I was on a totally different track. Yeah. Next one up. Special Forces Insider says that the CIA is directing sabotage attacks in Russian territory. That seems logical to me, and I don't see why anybody would think otherwise. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Not now, Europe. Second war threatens to explode. And this one uh, I took note of as well earlier this morning, uh, that Kosovo and Serbia are back at it again. So think of Bosnia, Herzegovina, that war that had to get on all that kind of stuff. Well, guess what? They're fighting again. They're blockading uh, borders. They're putting trucks across the street. They're shaking their fists at each other. They're, you know, all that kind of stuff. So does that explode into another uh 
war situation over in an area that is already significantly war-torn. Could it be? Certainly could. All right, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Iran reveals plans to enter Russia-led free trade zone. Cooperation between Tehran and Eurasian Economic Union has accelerated since the start of 2022. Iran will sign a free trade agreement with the Eurasian uh, Economic Union, EEU, on January 8th, the 18th. A spokesman for the county uh, industry ministry, Omid, I'm not going to even try to, Galabibov, whatever, uh, announced on Tuesday. Okay, so whatever. All right, uh, no surprise. It's just, you know, really just another continuation of the BRICS dynamics and countries systematically and very, uh, in an organized manner, uh, uh, cutting off intentionally uh, their uh, dependencies on the petrodollar and the global hegemonic uh, system that's been set up by Babylon the Great. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And very wise that they do so indeed. Next one up. Praise Jesus. Military police enforce driving ban in snow-stricken Buffalo. So again, we have a situation here where state and military police were sent Tuesday to keep people off of Buffalo's snow-choked roads. Officials keep counting fatalities three days into the uh, after the western New York's deadliest storm to hit in two generations. Not to mention the people were looting and everything else under the sun. And also not to mention that they were finding all kinds of dead, frozen bodies inside of cars stuck on the freeway, which is not good. All right. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Next one up. Mother kills her kids believing that they were possessed by demons. <coughs> now, I don't know about you, but I don't think there's an awful lot of women out there that don't think their kids are possessed by demons. But that's a whole other story. All right. Next one up here. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Storm apocalypse. Bomb cyclone. Death toll rises to 57 with more expected as tragic picks show victims of the worst storm in the la- in the la- in, in, a, in a lifetime, it says. And um, it was it was bad it was bad and will we have more of them you betcha we will praise god thank you jesus next one up prepares for the next stage of the Ukrainian war. Nuclear combat readiness raised. Troops boost it to 350,000 to 1.5 million Navy armed with hypersonic missiles. And military sent west to tackle NATO wannabes Finland and Sweden. Okay. Not anything new there. We've known that was happening all along. All right, next one up. The Daily reports that Russia is to increase the size of its military to 1.5 million troops. We just talked about that, and we've known about it. We've been talking about it for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, and uh, it's we're just waiting. I, you know, we're, we can't read the mind of Putin. We can't read the mind of Shogu. We do not know what uh, General Armageddon or whoever, uh, you know, we don't know what they're waiting for. Other than it, the most likely possibility would be for the full freezing of the mud in the southern half of the Ukraine before they make, because they really just want to come in in all directions. You know what I mean? From the north, from the south, from the east, and cut off the west. All right. Praise God. Next sign up. 
This one here is no surprise to me. It says, quote, I did not believe it for one second. Hannity, Sean Hannity, testifies under oath that he did not buy Donald Trump's election fraud claim at all. And by the way, I've been telling people on this radio show that Hannity is a two-bit lying sack of dung. He has been for a very long time. He is in on stuff. And anybody who even bothers to listen to his show is sucked into the into the uh, whirlpool of spinning Labrador, uh, and I'm sorry for you, uh, but I've never trusted the entity further than I could throw him. Uh, the only thing, that, as far as I'm concerned, is worth listening to is Tucker Carlson, and he's still limited, and, and Laura Ingram, and she's still limited, and they're both lucky to be able to say what they say as it is right now. But Hannity, I knew he was a walking piece of, you know, whatever, uh, for a very, very long time, and I've been calling him out on it, uh, you know, on this program now for... Well, let's see. Three years? Yeah, pretty much. Occasionally. Most of the time I didn't have anything to talk about. I didn't have anything to mention about him. I didn't care about him. He could drop off the face of the earth and it wouldn't matter to me. I just knew that I, there was something wrong with him. I knew that what he was saying was ill-informed. It, it lacked uh, substance. It was very uh, placating. It, it just, he, he just played to, to whatever, whatever was the popular thing to say. There was Sean Hannity with his big... Anyway, I think, you know, what are you going to do? You know, we're we're in a situation where we're just going to have to buckle up uh, for this stuff to continue. I don't see any respite. And as far as this kind of stuff goes, I really just don't see any respite insight. Um, I do pray for us in the name of Jesus, Father, please, in Jesus' name, for every single listener of this program, in Jesus' name, please, Father. Please, Father, in Jesus' name, that you will give us respite. If we are sick, Father, deliver us from that illness. If we are hurting inside, going through terrible times, being treated horribly by members of our family or soon-to-be ex-spouses, Father, please give us respite. Haven't your servants taken enough now? The Scripture says that you're a merciful Father. We're asking you, Father, please, to please give us that mercy. Give us some time off and bless us for just a few months so that we can regain our strength. In Jesus' name. And that being said, it's time to bring on Brother Lauren Peterson. Hallelujah. Here we go. God, thank you, Jesus, hallelujah. And now, of course, I had to work on bringing up my uh, cell phone. That I told you the story about. I think I told you the story about that dying while I was uh, on Christmas vacation. Um, so it's just been one of the most crummy Christmases I can ever remember. Um, but anyway, on that note, let me go ahead and double-check something. I want to make sure I get my P's and Q's in order. Do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Uh, there we go. And double-checking. All right, and there we go. Brother Peterson, are you there? Yeah, I'm I'm busy flipping are channels. 
Yeah, and digging yourself out from how many feet of snow? You guys got yeah. you guys usually wiggle yeah. out. What's up with you know you the whole name of the town that you live in, the whole persona of the town that you live in, the whole everything about it, the whole area, the whole I mean, it just screams heavy snow every year but you guys don't get heavy snow every year which i think is wrong i think you'd be be dumped on i th- i think that abominable snowman should be jealous of you but no you hardly ever get any bad snow so you know what it's about time that you did and i'm glad that you did and i hope your house is under snow and i hope you have to dig your way into the front door every 15 minutes hallelujah thank you jesus it's about time but anyway tell us what did happen <laughs> <laughs> no, here here in Rapid City, you only had about seven, eight inches total during that. Uh, well, basically, uh, that system and another system that came through. Um, but in like Terry Peak got five feet, and maybe uh, Lee Deadwood got four to five feet. They're up high in the hills, in the northern hills, and other areas got uh, sorted. You know, uh, one foot, two foot, three foot. Uh, Pine Ridge got slammed really heavy with a lot of feet and heavy uh, out there in the plains you get the high winds 50 60 miles an hour winds and that really drives the snow uh, whiteout conditions and blizzard and uh, like in Pine Ridge you if you could dig out of your front door of your house then you could walk up to the roof of the house because of the snow drifts were that high so they really got slammed and then that whole system moves uh, east northeast and uh, the whole interstate was shut down almost border to border. And so after that first snowstorm of uh, several days, I um, knew, you know, we knew it was coming here. So I didn't know if it would hit here in Rapid or not. But regardless if it did or not, you still want, I still want to be prepared, you know, and just a shelter in place. You know, it's just common sense. Stay off the streets, you know. And so I had already gone to the grocery store and stocked up with uh, things you uh, regularly need, you know, like milk, eggs, bread, and other other things, you know. And so um, after that snowstorm and um, streets were semi-cleared off here in Rapid, since we didn't get hit as hard as other places, so I made it a grocery store. Um, so it was a family fair. And uh, <clears throat> so I go in, it's like Friday um early afternoon and I, I just what i'm just totally shocked i mean shocked no uh produce okay no no veggies no fruits no no nothing and then you get over to the meats are practically wiped out no dairy no milk no cheese no you know i'm going aisle to aisle 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 and the whole store is about 50 60 percent wiped out nothing there it's worse it was far worse then during uh, March of 2020, when um, President Trump declared a state of national emergency due to the COVID thing, and people were just swamping into uh, grocery stores everywhere, buying up toilet paper and other stuff, you know, just emptying the aisles, shelves in the aisles and stuff. And and this Friday was far worse. And I'm just in total, you know, shock. It's like, you know, I felt like I was being sucker punched, you know, because I... I usually like to be ahead of the curve, you know, and, and be prepared. And this, I was not prepared to see this store because they're usually on top, you know. In spite of the shortages around the nation, 
this store and the stores here in Rapid City have done a really excellent job of keeping as stocked as they can. You know, if something's short short on a nation, nationwide basis, then it's hard for them to get their hands on stuff too. But uh, for the most part. Uh, they've had a high degree of keeping things stocked here in Rapid City. And so I go over to the um, Safeway, and uh, th- they're fairly still fairly well stocked. So I get home, and I'm just like, wow, what's going on with family fear, you know? And I, I, I tell my family this, and I, I'm just, I just can't believe it, you know? <laughs> and uh, so after I had time to, to calm down and think it through, well, of course, the storm travels this system was bad and it traveled from west to east basically or southwest to northeast and from st- from uh, border to border of south dakota and you know all the way into minnesota onward eastward you know so it shut down the interstate and family fair gets their uh, stuff trucked in mostly from from the east that requires that i-90 interstate to be open and so since it was shut down for a number of days, that was reflected then in the store, couldn't couldn't uh, restock. And people were just buying what they could buy, and uh, that showed itself in the empty shelves in the fact that they couldn't get the trucks in to restock. You know, they just couldn't do it. Whereas Safeway, uh, if I remember correctly, they get their stuff from Denver or Colorado area, and they truck it in from there. So that would then mean that the uh, highways were open or fairly well open enough to keep Safeway here in Rapid City stocked up. Um, <clears throat> but it it just uh, drives home the point that when you have time and you know a, a storm is coming, and what, what is hard to believe but maybe not, uh, it's out east, you know, in the east coast areas where, you know, like Buffalo, New York, and super slammed, okay, that, that people in those areas had warning that this system was common, and how many of them, during the time that they could have prepared and stocked up, they did not do that. They wait till the last minute, they wait till it's a raging blizzard out there, and then they venture out, they get stuck, and they die, they freeze to death, or sl- slide off. The, the street or the interstate and meet their fate there. You know, it's uh, <laughs> when the times are, are good, that's when you take time to stock up and prepare because you cannot take weather and climate for granted. Um, <clears throat> I come from a family on both sides of my family that, um, you know, when I was a kid, I listened to the aunts and uncles, grandmas and grandpas and relatives and everything. My own parents that went through um, the Depression era, the, the Dust Bowl era, and then World War II, and then the Korean War, and the, the economic slumps afterwards. And what they all did to survive, especially during the Great Depression, what they had to do to survive. And I felt like I had gone through all those things myself, you know, listening to all their stories. But it, it uh, fundamentally changed me. I'm, I'm, I'm just like them, you know, in, in preparing. You don't take the good times for granted. That's when you need to prepare as best you can for the bad times. You never know when the bad times are going to strike. So, um, you know, I just encourage people that do what you can. And, you know, I'm not a millionaire or anything. 
So, but I do what I can. I watch for the sales, you know. I watch for those things that we more frequently need than other things, you know, and try to strategically buy, not only for the, you know, the days and weeks to come, but in case of an emergency. So, like back in those old days, you couldn't. There were no Seven uh, Elevens, no WalMarts, no convenience stores. You know, you you had to stock up, or you didn't make it. Or you had to do with what you had, or you didn't make it. Or you had to improvise, or you didn't make it. Today we we're so spoiled, and we think we just rush right out and grab something. Well, it ain't there, you know. Disaster strike. So, um, you know, I, I realize that not everybody can just go out and you know drop a uh, Franklin a hundred bucks and grab a bunch of groceries and nowadays a hundred bucks doesn't go very far you know and you got a family to feed but again do what you can be wise in what you buy try to cash in on the sales when they are there you know um, on things that you would normally need anyway and uh if if uh if you got a few extra dollars and you could buy a few extra cans of this or um boxes, dry goods, or that, you know, when they're on sale, buy a few. Again, uh, you know, I mean, the ultimate big disaster could strike tomorrow, and, and we're all caught short, and we don't know what to do kind of thing, or we're all dead or something. But um, I'll give you one example of my my uh, parents. He bought a farm, and I think it was 1960, and <clears throat> A few years after that, you know, when I was a kid, uh, like into my teen years, about about ten years after that onward, they would. My dad would say, "Well, I might sell the farm next year," you know. So I'm a kid and I'm growing up and I love nature and I love the trees and I would uh, <laughs> collect tree seeds and plant them in milk cartons. Then we had those milk cartons, you know. So I cut the tops off and fill it with dirt and plant a <laughs> tree seed. And <laughs> I had all had my own uh, thing going there. And uh, so, you know, from that perspective, I, I did get, for those uh, seedlings that uh, really did well, then I found a few places in the, around the farm, farm where I could plant them, and they grew very well. And and uh, some of the things my dad would have me do, like uh, paint some of the farm, uh, farm buildings and stuff during the summertime. But there was other things that could have been done that um, – Looking back, okay, so every year they think they're going to sell the farm the next year, so they don't do this year what they could do to improve the place to make it better for whenever it does, they do sell it to get a better price. So you think, well, maybe, you know, next year we're going to have a nuclear war or something going on. It's just not going to make any difference. Why should I make any effort to prepare? Well, you don't know what's going to be next year or next 10 years from now or whatever. You don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Okay. So the prudent thing is to do your best when you can to prepare for the unexpected. Then you won't be cut caught short. So I had my parents take it all uh, more strategic long-term view on what can we do this year to improve the farm so in case we do sell it next year we've got these additional benefits to up the price to make it more appealing for a buyer to want to buy our farm 
Okay. So um, there are things they could have done, but they kept thinking they were going to sell it next year. So there's things that we can do um, when in, in the time frame, whatever time frame it is that we have, to make preparations so that we're not caught short. Well, we can. And again, you know, disaster can strike tomorrow, could strike next week, next month, next year, 100 years from now. We don't know. So, but what we do know is right here, right now, if I can do this or do that to improve my situation, to get me through another day, another month, another year, and improve something, disaster preparedness, or improve your property, that if you do have to sell, that you will attract better buyers that have the dollars, you know, that can buy your place or whatever is a car or a boat or whatever it is you need to unload to, you know, to pay off some bills or something, how can you improve that? Okay. Put some sizzle on that steak. <clears throat> so just some practical advice. Um, so here in Rapid City, though, as yeah, oftentimes back in October of 2013, uh, another kind of it, the storm system was obviously um, picked up on the weather cha- uh, channels and TV stations and everything and satellites and radar and all that stuff. But it kind of amplified the the closer it got here, the more it amped up big time, and we got this whole region out here got slammed big time. Um, so here in Rapid City, we had two feet of snow, and up in the hills, four feet on outlying areas, and thousands, I, I'm, probably thousands had a cattle died. Now you think, well, how could that happen? Well, you know, these ranches are a massive spread of acres, and some they're not just flat land. There's you've got a lot of hills and gullies and everything, and and some flat lands and river bottoms and all that stuff, and so. <clears throat> Back in 2013, drones were still up there expense-wise, okay, so it wasn't exactly cheap to buy a drone, or, and then uh, you have to get it registered, I suppose, with FAC, FAA or somebody, you know, you have to register it and uh, be legal and lawful and everything. So back then, uh, most ranchers would still use either horses or um, ATVs or pickups to, to go get the herd or they have some uh, dogs they can use also to go get the herd but this storm again this storm amped up so quickly that it caught the ranchers by surprise and you you got these massive spreads of ranch land and and so your your herd might be out there okay and it's not just a quick simple let's go round up the herd back bring it back to the ranch you know in the barn safe in the barn it's not that simple they're out there and uh, <clears throat> so today with drone technology, it's much easier to f- find out where your herd uh, is and, uh, you know, then you know exactly where they are and you can go get them. Whereas back then, you might not know where they are and you're you're driving here, driving there, trying to find where they are. You're spending precious minutes, which go, get into hours trying to find your herd. <clears throat> so typically here in Rapid City, uh, we have when it snows it's more on the lighter scale not as heavy not as deep except spring snows are often where you get one to two feet of snow 
we've had a number of them. But again, uh, Rapid City, this kind of area on the east side of the Black Hills is known as the Banana Belt, where you can get these snaps, these things that happen, and then it'll warm up. So like to, yesterday was, what, uh, 61 for a while, downtown Rapid City, 61 for a while. It got up that high. And today it was in the, like, 40s. Yesterday was a howling. <laughs> the wind was howling out. So even though it's warm, it's too, just too windy. And uh, today was maybe in the 40s, but calm as can be. So that makes a difference. Today actually felt warmer than yesterday, even though yesterday was warmer than today because of the wind factor. Um, <clears throat> so you get these variations. Now, as far as the back when I was a kid, um, in the 1968-69 um, winter season in southwest Minnesota, because that's where I grew up in, on the farm. Uh, we got slammed, and I'm sure the whole region, you know, uh, Minnesota, South Dakota, Iowa, you know, that whole area got slammed. But with snow and high winds and blizzards and everything, my dad um, had had a front loader on his tractor, and he would scoop the uh, farmyard down on snow and had this huge mountain in the middle of the farmyard of snow and it was great for for me and a few friends who stop over to go sledding and build snow forts and snow tunnels in that huge mountain of snow um, but it was he'd take his tractor only about a half mile from towns into town and scoop people's driveways out so they could get out it was a real bad year so these uh types of weather systems can happen it's not unheard of what we've we're experiencing this year on these um two weather punches that we've had but what maybe is unusual is the um the breadth of the systems that have engulfed most of the nation okay so back in 68 69 you know i i don't i wasn't aware as a kid how expansive this that was but it seems like it's gotten worse you know every year it gets worse and uh and engulfs more of the nation into all kinds of weather hardships um in places even that typically don't get that kind of bad weather freezing cold temperatures and everything but it's to say folks is things you might get a few days back to normal, but we can anticipate more abnormals next year. I'm not going to hold my breath on returning to normal. We're we're in the end game, folks. We are in the end game. It's spelled out for us in Scripture, and <clears throat> there's no going back to normal what we grew up with. For those of us who grew up uh, in more normal times, there's no going back to Andy of Mayberry or Gomer Pyle. You know, there's no going back to that. We're being fast tracked into the end times. We're in the end game. Okay, things are going to progressively get worse. And um, so, we're going to deep dive into some scriptures tonight. I'm going to first read, swing back into Rahab, Leviathan, and Behemoth. I'm going to read uh, some stuff from last time and then uh, concerning Rahab, then swing over into Leviathan and Behemoth. Okay, we, we find references in the Bible of God defeating Rahab. In Isaiah 51, 9, God cuts Rahab to pieces. 
Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake, as in days of old, the generations of long ago. Was it not you who cut Rahab in pieces, who pierced the dragon? As a side note, days of old and generations of long ago are references pointed back to that time before time, of that time when the Luciferian Rebellion and Angel Wars broke out across the cosmos, and when God then actively fought against with his arm of the Lord, specifically in this verse, against Rahab. This reference to generations of long ago is also mentioned in Genesis 2.4. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Notice that the heavens and the earth were first created and then made, which is a subtle reference to the gap theory that some believe lies between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2, wherein the Luciferian Rebellion and Angel Wars broke out and raged on for an undisclosed stretch of time. Also notice that the generations is used when the heavens and the earth were created, implying a longer time than when made later on. But the day is used when God made the earth and the heavens, implying a shorter time than when originally created. I hope you catch that. Okay. Um, Generations implies a much longer period of time than in the day. Okay. So, The heavens and the earth created generations of time, whereas in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, implying the remake, the restoration of that which became corrupted, the fallen one-third. Getting back to Rahab, another verse referencing the defeat of Rahab is found in Job 26. By his understanding, he, referring to God, shattered Rahab, his hand pierced the fleeing serpent. And another in Psalm 89, you, that be God, crushed Rahab like a carcass. In Isaiah 51, God pierced Rahab to critically wound it from being able to fight back before cutting the dragon to pieces. In Job 26, God pierced Rahab to disable it from being able to flee before shattering the fleeing serpent. In Psalm 89, the same could be surmised, that God pierced Rahab before crushing it. The following could be suggested. With his arm, that's God's arm, Isaiah 51, 9, lifted high and his sore and great and strong sword. That's come from Isaiah 27, 1, in reference to Leviathan, which we'll get to a, a little bit. Firmly in hand. With a mighty thrust, God pierced Rahab, as he will one day do to Leviathan, disabling the fleeing serpent from escaping the battle to a place of safety and critically wounding the dragon from being able to fight back. God then crushed Rahab like a carcass, uh, Psalm 89.10, in which Rahab became broken and shattered, Job 26.12, but still intact sufficiently to exhibit life. God finally finished off Rahab by cutting it to pieces, Isaiah 51.9, to ensure that nothing of the dragon 
would nor could ever survive to be resurrected and placed back into service of the Luciferian angel wars. Although Lucifer and his remaining forces have tried since then and continue so to this day with genetics and artificial intelligence quantum computers to put his second-in-command back together again to resurrect Rahab. They have been unable to do so. So complete was God's destruction of Rahab. The pieces of Rahab, however, have been kept on reserve by God ever since for his divinely appointed purposes, specifically for a time that would be long into the future, the time and season we are now in, the unfolding of the six seals of revelation, and in the not-too-distant future that follows, the seventh seal judgments of the wrath of the Lamb of God. Okay, switching over to Leviathan. Alrighty. I'm first going to read from Job 41. That whole chapter is devoted to Leviathan. Job 41. Can you draw out Leviathan with a hook or snare his tongue with a line? which you lower, in other words, like catching a fish? (laughs) Can you put a reed through his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you? Will he speak softly to you? There, folks, will he speak softly softly to you implies that Leviathan has the capacity of speech, some kind of speech. Will he make a covenant with you? So he's capable of making a covenant. Will you take him as a servant forever? In other words, is he going to be agreeable to you to be a servant, entering a covenant with you to be your servant? Will you play with him as with a bird? Is he going to be your pet? Or will you leash him for your maidens (laughs) so he can ride around on his back or something, you know, through the heavens? Will your companions make a banquet of him? Are they going to carve him up, serve him for for lunch? Will they apportion him among the merchants? Can you fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. Never do it again. (laughs) In other words, you'll lose. Indeed, any hope of overcoming him is false. Shall one not be overwhelmed at the sight of him? As in overwhelmed, like shocked, (laughs) uh, um, discombobulated, you know, just at the sight of him. No one is so fierce that he would dare stir him up. Who then is able to stand against me? God is saying, okay, if if you can't, if if you'd be so overwhelmed at just the sight of Leviathan and nobody in their right mind so fierce that he would dare stir Leviathan up, well then who is able to stand against me? That's God speaking. Who's me? God, <laughs> the one who created Leviathan. Who has preceded me that I should pay him? Everything under heaven is mine. I will not conceal his limbs, his mighty power, or his graceful proportions. Who can remove his outer coat? Who can approach him with a double bridle? Who can open the doors of his face with his terrible teeth all around? 
have you for lunch, right? His rows of scales are his pride, shut up tightly as with a seal. One is so near another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They stick together and cannot be parted. His sneezings flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. When you look into his eyes, be like two suns shining forth, would be my interpretation of that. Out of his mouth go burning lights. Sparks of fire shoot out. You can be breathing fire out of his mouth. You wouldn't want him getting that way, right? Smoke goes out of his nostrils as from a boiling pot and burning rushes. His breath kindles coals, and a flame goes out of his mouth. Strength dwells in his neck, and sorrow dances before him. The folds of his flesh are joined together. They are firm on him and cannot be moved. His heart is as hard as stone, even as hard as the lower millstone. When he raises himself up, the mighty are afraid. The mighty. Think of the mighty. When Leviathan raises himself up, you see, the mighty are afraid. The mighty in the world today are seeking to arouse Leviathan. The real reason for 9-11, well, there's a number of reasons behind 9-11, but in which will culminate in World War III. The evil elite of the world, they need World War III in order to consume millions upon millions of souls within a short period of time to channel that soul energy that's consumed into this mighty beast, Leviathan, to arouse Leviathan. They are confident that they can control him to do their bidding, but they're going to find out the opposite. They're going to be so scared. <laughs> you know <laughs> you know the phrase, scared. <laughs> okay, they're going to be rendered into smoldering hulks of flesh <laughs> or charred cinders. Because of his crashings, they are beside themselves. Through the, though the sword reaches him, it cannot avail. You can fire, you can whatever, you know, like a sword from 2,000 years ago, or you can figure today's... Um, Tomahawk cruise missiles and what the Russians have and stuff, it's not going to affect him. It will, will not avail anything to take him down. Nor does a spear, dart, or javelin. He regards iron as straw and bronze as rotten wood. The arrow cannot make him flee. He's not scared of an arrow. Slingshots become like stubble to him. Darts are regarded as straw. He laughs at the threat of javelins. Undersides are like sharp potsherds. He spreads pointed marks in the mire. He makes the deep boil like a pot. He makes the sea like a pot of ointment. He leaves a shining wake behind him. One would think the deep had white hair. That brings to mind, folks, in the Devil's Triangle, Bermuda Triangle, and other places in the world that are similar, that the the uh, the ocean the sea it shimmers in a shining wake there's like a shimmering like white hair could that be leviathan <laughs> you know 
or is there some other explanation? On earth, there is nothing like him, which is made without fear. This guy has no fear. No, no fear at all. He beholds every high thing. He is king over all the children of pride. He is very proudful, overflowing with pride. He is the king over all the children of pride. So take uh, Klaus, um, what's his name, <laughs> okay, and his sidekick, Harari, you know. They're, they're just so full of themselves, so proud of their WEF, you know, and their great and grandeur plans of sustainable development and eradicate 95% of the world's population. They're so full of themselves, and they can't wait to arouse Leviathan. But reading through this, Leviathan sets his sights on those two guys, charred cinders. In fact, you won't find even a speck of dust left of them. All right. Let's see. Where am I at? Okay, that was Job 41. Now, Job 3, 1 through 10 is uh, Job talking here. It's verse 1 through 10. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. And Job spoke and said, May the day perish on which I was born, and the night in which I it was said, A male child was conceived. May that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor the light shine upon it. May darkness and the shadow of death claim it. May a cloud settle on it. May the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, may darkness seize it. May it not rejoice among the days of the year. May it not come into the number of the months. Oh, may that night be barren. May no joyful shout come into it. You can tell that Job is really, really, really hurting and just torn up to shreds inside to be saying this kind of stuff. Verse 8, may those curse it who curse the day those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. May the stars of its morning be dark. May it look for light but have none, and not see the dawning of the day, because it did not shut up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hide sorrow from my eyes. Okay, those who are ready to arouse Leviathan. There are those in the world today who have made their preparations. Again, 9-11 leading up to World War III is to arouse Leviathan. And in a moment, we're going to see where that plays out in arousing Leviathan. What is the purpose? What are they attempting to achieve? Why why is it that millions upon millions of souls need to be sacrificed to arouse this great ancient beast from long ago? Okay, Isaiah 27.1. Okay. In that day, the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, the fleeing serpent, Leviathan, the twisting serpent, and he, that's God, will slay the dragon that is in the sea. <clears throat> Leviathan is described as a fleeing serpent. Same description as Rahab. They both were fleeing. A fleeing serpent is not a planet, <clears throat> but a being that is attempting to escape from danger to itself. This being, they're described as serpents as dragons, serpent dragon. 
Okay, does that sound like a planet to anybody? It's like calling your dog, you know, your dog is uh, the moon or something, you know. Uh, You know, a simple biology 101 here, folks, you know. Dragons are not planets. Now, in olden times, you know, the uh, long, long ago, ancient times, um, the ancients would, you know, almost forever describe constellations and various planets and stars and everything with names that give names to them with things that they were familiar in their natural environment so um, they give names so they know what they're talking about okay so in scientific days today um, you can take a constellation and it has a name like for example the Gemini constellation or what but science they, they got a scientific name for that. So you can have like a, for example, your dog. Your dog has, you call it a dog or a, a collie or whatever, you know, a specific type of dog. But scientists have a specific scientific name for your collie, okay? Um, and some of these scientific names get to the point where, you know, only a scientist could maybe pronounce that name. Uh, the rest of us, it's rather difficult. So we're, we're regarded as laymen and laywomen, you know, kind of thing. Uh, we take the the regular names, <clears throat> but that way uh, people knew what they were talking about. Well, well, there's that constellation. We give it that name, the crab or something. We give that constellation a name, you know, some other name, you know, so we know what we're talking about when we're looking up at the sky or what star, what planet we're looking at, kind of thing. Okay, so a fleeing serpent. This is a living being. Okay, and in a summary, is Rahab, Leviathan, Behemoth. In my opinion, were the three top-tiered created beings right after Lucifer. Lucifer being the first created of created beings. Okay, so these three guys are top-tiered. So that means they were created with primal energies, primal powers, primal um, teeth that God had created into them. So what uh, what danger are they fleeing from? That danger is the Lord with his hard and great and strong sword fighting against those whom he had created in perfection but had fallen in sin from that perfection and now we're warring against God and his creation. As we'll read later on concerning Behemoth, these top-tiered beings, uh, only God could go up against them. Okay. Um, continuing with Leviathan, Psalm 74, 13 through 17. 13, you divided the sea by your strength. You broke the heads of the sea serpents or monsters in the waters. 14, you broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him as food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. 15, you broke open the fountain and the flood, you dried up mighty rivers. 16. The day is yours, the night is also yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. 17. You have set all the borders of the earth, you have made summer and winter. Okay, now I'm going to analyze. 13, verse 13. You divided the sea by your strength, you broke the heads of the sea serpents, monsters in the waters. C. The angel wars and angelic groups. That's based on um, Revelation 17, is it verse 19 or something? It gives a uh, description of the waters. Um, 
the waters. So waters make up sea. A sea is made up of many waters, right? So many waters, a sea is a huge conglomeration of angelic groups that are fighting this angel wars. God, in his counterattacks, divided or separated the various angelic groups that had and were warring against him in his creation. He divided the sea. He divided and this is reflected also in day two of the creation story, wherein God separated the waters above from the waters below and permanent between the two groups. Okay, So the, the sea serpents and monsters in the waters, sea serpents and monsters are the helpers of Leviathan. Rahab had helpers also. Perhaps Leviathan also had helpers, i.e. the sea serpents in the waters of which God broke their heads, maybe crushing them as God had crushed the carcass of Rahab. Verse 14, you broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces and gave him his food to the people inhabiting the wilderness. Leviathan supposedly has seven heads. God broke these heads of Leviathan in pieces just as he had previously sliced the pieces Rahab. Now, this brings to mind Revelation 13.3, which we'll get into more in detail in a bit. And I saw one of his heads. This is regarding the first beast. One of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So God broke these heads of Leviathan in pieces. You broke the heads of Leviathan in pieces. But somehow, one of his heads, as if it had been mortally wounded and the deadly wound was healed, somehow it gets healed and put back together. And all the world marvels at this and follows the beast. So that's how Revelation 13.3, in my opinion, ties into this verse 14. Okay, going down, uh, you broke open the fountain in the flood, you dried up mighty rivers. The day is yours, the night also is yours. You have prepared the light and the sun. Day and night, day one, Genesis chapter one. And sun, day four, perhaps, of Genesis chapter one. And the day is yours, and night also is yours. You're prepared to light in the sun. This is part of the creation story, part of the creation story that is in reality the restoration of the fallen one-third due to the angel wars that were in the first, um, especially the first four days, God is separating. He's doing a separation. Separation is an act of judgment. He's laying down certain judgments on those four days. And so verse 16 is reflective of days one through days four of God rendering various judgments and separations. Verse 17, you have set all the borders of the earth. You have made summer and winter. All the borders of the earth. Could that be God's containment system of the fallen one-third and specifically the earth, i.e., not only the earth, but the lower dimensional realms. Okay, swinging over to, um, let me consult a little bit more here, notes. Okay, yep. Okay, let's go to Behemoth. That's in, the only place I'm aware of is Job chapter 40. 
uh, verses 15 through 24, so it's not a lot, but there's some interesting tidbits in here. Verse 15, look now at the behemoth, which I made along with you. He eats grass like an ox. The traditional interpretation of this is that behemoth is some kind of land creature that is immense and enormously strong, and it no no earthly human can go up against and slay this monstrous uh, creature that only, as we'll read later on in verse 19, there's one who can and only that one who can slay this creature, but anybody else can't. See now his strength is in his hips and his power is in his stomach muscles. 17, he moves his tail like a cedar. His sinews of his thighs are tightly knit. His bones are like beams of bronze, his ribs like bars of iron. Verse 19, he is the first of the ways of God. Only who he who made him can bring near his sword. That's a key statement right there. He is the first of the ways of God. Could that imply? <laughs> okay. Verse 20, surely the mountains yield, yield food for him, and all the beasts of the field play there. He lies under the lotus trees in a covert of reeds and marsh. The lotus trees cover him with their shade, the willows by the brook surround him. Indeed, the river may rage, yet he is not disturbed. He is confident, though the Jordan gushes into his mouth. Verse 24, though he takes it in his eyes, or one pierces his nose with a snare. Okay, so often, oftentimes when God mentions like the trees, talks about trees, um, what is it, um, Ezekiel, um, was it, 30, 31, it's talking about the trees, um, are reflective of life forms, not just trees. You, you can interpret that as literal trees, but there's a dual meaning there, a higher meaning of talking about trees as being other living beings. So in this context, if we can understand, you know, God put Adam and Eve in charge of the Garden of Eden, right? <clears throat> he put them there. And there's a lot of trees there. But, yeah, no doubt there's a lot of literal trees there. But the implication, the higher implication is there were a lot of angelics there or other intelligent life forms there as well. Okay, not just cattle and sheep and, you know, cats and dogs and things that, that, uh, that Adam had to name, but there were other intelligent life forms there. Okay, so... Traditional explanation of behemoth, uh, as you read through 15 through 24, it sure sounds like he's an earth-based creature. But when you understand and, and read through this more from a higher dimensional viewpoint, okay, you can capture that this, um, of the higher dimensional realms, he might have been in a lower dimension, but not the lowest dimension, not on an earthly basis dimensional reality. Okay, think, try to read this stretch of scriptures from a higher dimensional perspective. Okay, but verse 19, okay, Behemoth is so powerful that the raging river does not disturb him. That raging river 
being reflective of the angel wars. There's wars going on all over, and it doesn't disturb him. It doesn't. He's so he can take it in his eyes or his nose, become pierced with a snare. Yet he remains competent in his power, undisturbed in his stance. You could pummel him 24/7-365, and he's going to remain standing. He's not worried one bit. Okay, Behemoth is so powerful that only he who made him can bring near his sword. Who made Leviathan and Rahab? God did. And who brought forth his sword against those two creatures? God did. It wasn't the archangel Michael. It was God himself. And why would God bring near his sword? To slay Behemoth. And why would God slay Behemoth? Because Behemoth had become one of the three top-tiered created beings that had rebelled and warred against God. As a top-tiered created being, Behemoth had primal powers embedded into him. No other being, not even the great archangel Michael in his own strength, could slay Behemoth. Only the one who had created Behemoth, God, could destroy Behemoth. And that includes Rahab and Leviathan and even Lucifer himself. Okay, let's continue on with... Let's see where these play out in the end times. Okay, I'll read some scriptures. All right, so I'm going to read through Revelation chapter 13. And the title on the first section here is The Beast from the Sea. Verse 1, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns. So right here, seven heads. And on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth like the mouth of a a lion. The dragon gave him his power. What dragon? The great red dragon from Revelation chapter 12, which is uh, Satan, who we know as Lucifer. So, we know that Lucifer slash Satan, Satan is extremely um, covetous, prideful, and not willing to share um, his power, position, perks, wealth, etc. You know, he's an egocentric maniac. Okay, he's the original Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde, the original alter ego, the original uh, multipolar personality. Okay. And so that's reflected in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The good in that tree is not coming from God. It's coming from the Lucifer side of this being, whereas the evil side is coming from his satanic side. It's two sides of the same tree, two sides, that tree being reflective, maybe even directly implicating Lucifer slash Satan. Because when you deviate from God, the more you deviate from him, and his ways, the more you become a split. We see it every day in our world around us today. As here in the United States has thrown God behind its back everywhere you look, you know. Even churches 
and throwing God under the bus behind their backs. <laughs> they don't believe there's a devil. They don't believe there's a hell. They don't even believe Jesus was real or hung on the cross, allowed his blood to be shed for us. <sighs> it's just, they, they, they just, they'll celebrate Jesus as a, a baby born in a manger, but that's where they leave Jesus. But guess what, folks? Jesus grew up. He became a man, not a woman, a man. And in being a man, he was a man's man. He was no pussyfoot. He was no girly man. He was no mamsy-pamsy. He was a man's man. Okay. <laughs> there was nothing weak-willed wishy-washy about Jesus, that he had great emotion, the fact that he might have cried once in a while. Well, that takes a real man to feel that kind of emotion. A coward will bury it deep and disregard it and put on a face and wear that face because they're too cowardly to face their own emotion. They put a face, they run, they bury it, deep. They refuse to face their emotion. Do you think Klaus Schwab has ever faced his true emotion that's buried so deep he'll never find it anymore? Okay? And his sidekick, the puppet pawn that he pulls the string all the time. Arari, you know. Little sawed off, little pipsqueak. Okay? Put him in a ring and it'll be a bug splash, you know, like a squashing a bug all over, you know. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. And his deadly wound was healed. And all the world marveled and followed the beast. So, this Lucifer character, this great red dragon from Revelation chapter 12, he he holds on to his power very tightly. But here we see that the dragon gave this first beast that rises up out of the sea. That's Leviathan, folks. <laughs> okay, The great beast from the sea, that's Leviathan. This is where it directly ties in the Old Testament to the New, to these end times. The dragon, this Lucifer, Satan, gave Leviathan, his first beast, his power, his throne, and great authority. Awesome that Lucifer would do this. This means that Lucifer trusts Leviathan with this capacity, with this ability to stay on the agenda. Okay, think of what Lucifer did with his power throne and great authority. He rebelled and warred against God. So for Lucifer to entrust this with Leviathan would indicate that Lucifer totally entrusts Leviathan with this. That Lucifer can trust Leviathan to follow through with this and not turn against Lucifer. But guess what, folks? Lucifer's got plans for Leviathan, and it ain't good because Lucifer doesn't give what he doesn't demand back in spades. Okay? So they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast. 
They're openly worshiping Lucifer, Satan, who gave authority to Leviathan, and they worship the beast, saying, who is like the beast, Leviathan, who is able to make war with him? Now, this Leviathan, this first beast, we typically, under the traditional model, view this this first beast as the Antichrist, and that would be correct. What I learned from Yu-Gi-Oh!, Okay, I learned a lot of things from the children's cartoon series, Yu-Gi-Oh!, the original series. And I know there's people out there who would say, that's of the devil and everything, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, that's what I thought before I started watching it. But God gave me the green light, and I started watching it. And it was one revelation after another, after another, after another, after another. And I didn't see anything that really technically conflicted with the Bible. In fact, it opened up my eyes of understanding to some things in the Bible that had been unknown to me before. And one of the key things was the tie-in of Leviathan to the end times, because the traditional interpretation of this first beast is the Antichrist. And there, in my understanding is that there was no tie-in of Leviathan with the Antichrist. But with the scriptures from the Old Testament, we now see the tie-in to this first beast that rises up out of the sea. It's Leviathan. Now, how does Leviathan translate to the Antichrist? Because Leviathan, in the dragon that gives Leviathan Lucifer's power, throne, and great authority, so likewise in Leviathan overshadows the person Who's the physical person who's going to be the Antichrist in the first stretch of his reign? Um, the traditional model is the first three and a half years. Okay, so if we go by that model, just so we know what we're talking about, the first stretch, if that's three and a half years, okay, a literal three and a half years, okay, I'm okay with that. I'm okay if it's longer than that, you know, but it's a stretch of time. That first stretch of time, um, Leviathan is going to overshadow. Not necessarily indwell, but overshadow this physical person known as the Antichrist, who's not going to be known necessarily in the first three and a half years as the Antichrist. He's going to come on the scene appearing as the Messiah, not as the Anti-Messiah. Appear as the Christ, not the Antichrist. He's going to appear as the good guy, not the bad guy. Okay, so... Uh, Leviathan is likewise going to share his power, throne, authority to the Antichrist. And so the people of the world, they worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast, and they worship the beast. So who is like the beast? Who's able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth speaking great blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months, or three and a half years. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Is your name written in the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world? Or will you end up taking the mark, whatever the mark will end up being, will you end up take the mark 
and then your name will be removed from the Lamb's Book of Life as you will be counted amongst the ungodly. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. Who he kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. The patience and the faith of the saints is to understand that there's a whole lot of ugly going to happen through this whole time. Okay, the the beast from the earth. This is where Behemoth comes in. He, As we read in Job, there, that it sounds like a very earthly-based type of creature. But again, if we view it from a higher dimensional understanding, an earthly-like creature does not necessarily have to be earth-based. It can be just simply a, a lower dimension of the higher highest dimensions, but not down here on this three-dimensional level. Then I saw another beast coming up out of where? The earth. There it is. And he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So two horns like a lamb. Who would be afraid of a lamb? Aren't they supposed to be cute and, you know, go bang, bang, you know? But he spoke like a dragon. Whoa, you know. <laughs> and he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence. All the authority. So this guy's got got the authority, okay, and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. This guy's going to, who do we read from the Old Testament that called fire down from heaven? Was it not Elijah? Okay, so he's going to pull an Elijah off, okay, and he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword. By what sword? By the sword of the Lord. <laughs> okay, Eons ago. And lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. Okay, so we know one of the things here is um, the mark, the the mark of the beast. But it also goes on in verse 17, the mark of the beast. But it also goes on, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. So there's three ways to identify those who are in line with the beast, who are un- aligned with the beast either the mark or the name or the number of his name. Three ways to identify people. So it's not just the mark, folks. That's where most of our attention is, is the mark of the beast. But there's also, is a person going to go by the name of the beast? And maybe the number of his name also. Okay. Three different ways to identify these people. To be in alignment with the beast and the beast system. So it's not just the mark. Uh, there may be some people that have all three. They really are fired up about the beast, you know, the Antichrist and the false prophet. So, again, this 
second beast, the beast from the earth, the second beast, is generally regarded as a false prophet. Okay, so have we the current um, Catholic priest, <laughs> high priest, Catholic pope, has he called fire down from heaven yet? If he's a false prophet, I haven't seen him call fire down from heaven yet. I would think that would be a real um, marker, a real definitive uh, capability of who this false prophet's going to be if it's the one who can call fire down from heaven, okay, and other kinds of uh, signs and wonders and stuff. Um Now we go over to Revelation chapter 8. Where does Rahab come in? So we covered how Lucifer's Satan is reflected in, uh, embodied in Revelation chapter 12, then Leviathan and Behemoth in Revelation chapter 13. But where does Rahab fit in? Rahab that was cut to pieces. Okay. Now there's some people who believe that Rahab is the fifth planet that used to be between Mars and Jupiter, but is now the asteroid belt. At some point in the remote past, it became an asteroid belt. Okay, so they believe that the Rahab was that fifth planet. That was the name of that planet. But Rahab in scriptures described as a fleeing serpent. Does that sound like a planet to anybody? Okay, so how could the fifth planet be Rahab? Well, there is there is a way. So, And how could Leviathan be entrapped in the sea on this planet and behemoths entrapped in the land on this planet if they were higher dimensional beings that God created them in the higher dimensions higher realms and they were top tiered created beings how in the world did they get here okay well the Luciferian the angel wars began somewhere else and a good portion of it probably it definitely impacted our solar system. Picture being maybe somewhere in the heart of the Milky Way galaxy or somewhere, and they're fleeing from the scene of the crime. Okay, typically, <clears throat> top generals will leave. They're typically they're not leading the charge; they're leading getting out of here, right? So they can live another day to fight a war another day, right? Uh, the top generals. Do you see General Milley going out near the battlefield of uh, Ukraine and fighting against the Russians, leading the troops to fight against the Russians? No. He's safely tucked away at the Pentagon or the deep deep um, underground facility so he can uh, you know, do his thing far from the battlefield. Okay, he'll live another day where, where our, our troops are on the front lines are dying or maimed for life kind of thing. But the generals are far away from the battlefields. Well, that's not always going to be the case, folks. There's coming a time, you read the sixth seal, uh, Revelation chapter 6, that there was a great earthquake. <clears throat> this is a global earthquake, and it's the kind of earthquake that can pierce and destroy deep underground bunkers. So General Milley your number will come up, and you'll be no more, okay? And all you other generals and high-fluting um, politicians and, um, you know, the too big to fails, commerce, banking, industry, politicians, 
<laughs> military types, secret space program types, you're not going to survive that. Most of you are going to perish. Okay, so Rahab split to pieces, okay? So how did that happen? Because when they were fleeing the scene of the crime, again, imagine you're in a higher dimensional reality and you're fleeing the scene of the crime you're going. And it's like being in a jumbo jet or some of these um, super jets that can just fly across the United States in like one hour, okay? Or across the, around the world in eight or something. You know, some amazing... <laughs> uh, speed of going from A to B, okay, wrapping around, some amazing speed. So when you're at that kind of speed, are you able to see what's on the ground below you, okay? No, it's just one big blur, right? So the lower dimensional realities are one big blur unless you can calm, calm, Mm -hmm. you know, slow down and lock in, okay? So as they're fleeing the scene of the crime, they became phase-locked. I would propose that Rahab became phase-locked into the fifth planet, whereas Leviathan and Bemis became phase-locked into the Earth. Okay, we'll continue the discussion next time. Tune in when next time. <laughs> same time, same bad channel. Praise God. But anyway, thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Brother Lauren. Keep digging that snow. And uh, we will see you, Lord willing. And I boy, did I mean that. Uh, this Friday, 7 p.m. at the Friday Night Prayer Vigil. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. God bless tonight. you. God bless you. you thank betcha. you. Prayers. Praying for you as well. Write our names yep. in your book of life. We are cleansed through your holy sacrifice As we lift your name on high Renew our mind, renew our soul Remove the scars from our past And deem us righteous We rebuke all deceptive lies When will your coming be? When will your trumpet sound for me? Till then we will endure. We are the branches on a living tree. I shall lift my obedient children to the clouds, for they shall see my glory.